The philosopher Socrates, or some people say Socrates, okay, nobody says Socrates, once said this phrase, know thyself. Know thyself. What does this mean? What does this phrase mean? What, know thyself. It's asking the question, how well do you know yourself? How well do you know yourself? You know, you think about what we do in our lives. We study to learn about things and we work. And as we work, we learn about things. But one of the interesting things is one of the most misrepresented ideas, one of the things that we know actually not that much of is actually ourselves. We think we do. We think we know ourselves, but actually, because when's the last time you studied yourself? Like, no one sits there and does a class in myself. You don't go to university and do the subject me. Me 101. You know? No, you don't, you don't do that, right? Thousands of years ago, the, the philosophers are asking these questions. They're asking these questions. Do you know yourself? And I, and I believe that even today in, in our society, we're still having to ask ourselves the same thing. How well do I know myself? And it's really this question of who am I? Now, let me ask you tonight, who are you? You know, a lot of the times we answer with, with things, you know, like if, if you pull out your, li- uh, your driver's license, you know, of course, people can see who you are. Well, you know, my name is, I live at this address. I'm a, you know, LP, P1, P2. I don't know what the system is. You know, I'm a donor or not a donor. You know, like you learn these, these things or you get your resume and go, oh, you know, he worked at this job and, you know, they, they, they studied it here. But, but what about inside? What about, but what about your essence? Do you know yourself? You know, what's interesting is humanity collectively, generally, okay, generally humanity, we have a very high view of ourselves. And it wasn't always like this. Uh, I was at a seminar a few weeks ago, and there was a psychologist telling us that, that this idea of the, the inflated self-esteem has only been around maybe 30 years, sort of, you know, 19, maybe 85 and up. You know, this importance of a high self-esteem and an inflated view of ourselves. You know, we, we like to think positively. We like to see the silver lining. We like to find the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And, and, and our generation, well, this generation is like that. We have this enormous emphasis on having high self-esteem. And we find ourselves looking in the mirror with what might be a slightly distorted view of ourselves. Okay? Now, i got a video. It's, this is an example of what... Uh, this uh, distorted view of self can look like, okay? You got a view. My name's Avan Amato Jeremy. Right. I'm new to the show. Yeah. I hope you enjoy this. Yeah. It's the best I can do, okay? Okay. I'm gonna start now, okay? Well, can right? I just ask you? Okay. Can I ask you a couple of questions? Aaron? Aaron, I'd just like to get to know a little bit more about you. I'm Aaron Amal Jeremy. Okay. I'm 28. Yeah. I live in London. Okay, Thank okay. You. got it. <laughs> I'm going to begin, yeah? Yeah.
making a better plan For you and for me and the entire human race Now people dying, we care enough for the living Making a better place for you and for me For you and for me You get my point, right? What makes, what makes someone go out on X Factor thinking that they can sing? Like he obviously thought. Okay, there's two things that I see that, that we take out of that clip. Number one, he obviously thinks he can sing. So the way he sees himself is very distorted. But secondly, he doesn't have very good friends. Okay? Because he, if he had some good friends, they would have told him, brother, okay, do not go on to X Factor, okay? This is the generation we live in. Now, we're in the series of Ephesians, and, and, and the, the, the writer Paul is going to ask us three questions. Firstly is this, who am I? Secondly, it's what happened to me? And thirdly, why did it happen? My hope is that through, through God's word tonight that, that we would be able to see ourselves in the way that God sees us. And can I tell you, sometimes uh, we forget this, but the way God sees us is actually more true than the way we see ourselves. So it's important. Okay, so we're in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. And the first question is this, who am I? And I'm going to read verse 1 to 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, one of the best things about the Apostle Paul when he writes his letters is he, there's no airy-fairy. He just gets straight into the meat. And he just says it straight. You were spiritually dead. You were spiritually dead. Yes, you may be physically alive, but your soul was dead in your trans transgression and sin. Now, I know that we, you know, if you've been coming to church for a while, the word sin gets thrown around. But let me define the word sin. It just means missing the mark. Okay? It means missing the mark. Like shooting an arrow, sin is simply missing the mark. That's sin. That's all it is. So in our context, what's the mark? The mark is God. The mark is God. God, His thoughts, His desires, His intentions, His purposes. And when we sin, it just means that we miss God. We miss Him. We miss His thoughts. We miss His desires and, and, and purposes. Paul tells, us, tells the church in, in Ephesus, they were dead in their sin. And that's how they used to live their lives, following the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the end, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We miss the mark of God and choose to live our lives separate from Him. 
And verse 3 gives us what this looks like, this image of what it looks like to live a life separate of God. It says, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Do you know what that is? It's just living a life of do whatever you want, whatever feels good, whenever you want. That is a life that is separate from God. See, one of the things that we, we, we that might be a mis, uh, explained incorrectly is that sin, so living a life that misses God or misses the mark of God, it doesn't make you a bad person. You know, as I was growing up in church, that's what they taught you. If you sin, God will spank you because you're being naughty. But actually, when you read these verses, it doesn't say that sin makes you bad. It says sin makes you dead. Big difference, right? Between a bad person and a dead person. The severity of sin shows in the outcome of our spiritual death. Paul tells us that because of this sinfulness, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Wrath means God's anger. Okay, so that's what it means. It means you miss the mark of God through sin, and because of that, you deserve God's anger. God's anger against those who miss the mark. Can I tell you, we become very gracious, especially to ourselves, about this word sin. We've become very gracious. We are so forgiving. You know, a lot of time we go to church and it's about love and forgiveness. And, and you know what? We're so loving of ourselves. We're so forgiving of ourselves. We've learned to become very gracious to our own sins. Things like white lies, acceptable sins. Hey, it didn't hurt anybody else. It's my money and my time. I can do whatever I want. But what Paul says is that it's those sins that continue to miss the mark of God and because you miss the mark of God, and, and, and it's not just one person singular, but it's us collectively. See, Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. There is no one that is exempt from these verses. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, we will get what we deserve, which is eternal death. Please don't try to kid yourself and think that if you can justify your sin or logically explain your sin or contextualize your sinful decisions in your life, that God's judgment will not be for you. If you miss the mark of God, you will be, you will receive the wrath of God. So that's the first question, who am I? I'm a sinner. The second question is this, what happened to me then? What happened, verse four to seven, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now, think about the situation we're in from verse one to three. We are spiritually dead. Now, I know sometimes when we start talking about the spiritual realm, it gets a little bit confusing because, well, we live in a physical realm. 
We live in a, a realm that, are, that, are, that is guided by our five senses. But, but what's more real than the physical realm is the spiritual realm. And actually, it was in the spiritual realm, the physical realm was created. And one day, the physical realm will cease to exist, but the spiritual realm will continue. So we are dead. We are spiritually dead because of our sin. There is no one exempt from this. And so if that's the end of the story, then for all of eternity, we will pay the price of this sin. But what happened? What happened? Verse 4. But because of his great love, God. What happened? God happened. God enters this desperate picture of humanity and makes us alive with Christ from when we were dead. Through the death of his one and only son, Jesus, and his resurrection from the dead, God gives us the same life that we could not gain for ourselves. And not only did God make us alive, he raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm so that we might have eternal life. God gave us life to us who were once dead in our sins. Why is it important for us why is it important for us to understand the depth of our sin? It's important for us to understand the, the depth of our sin for us to really appreciate what God has done for us to take us out of that. Now, it, you know, if two people owed me money, right? If, if, if one guy owed me $5 and another guy owed me $5,000 and I said to them, you know what? I'm going to cancel all your debts. I'm going to cancel all your debts, right? Who's going to appreciate that more? Right? The guy who owed more money, right? See, when you think that sin just makes you a bad person, and then you hear that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, then what you're doing is, what you're saying is that, oh, Jesus Christ died just for my bad behavior. You know, just slap me on the wrist kind of thing. You know, like I was a naughty boy, slap. But when we realize that it's not sin that makes us bad, but it makes sin that makes us dead. And then it says that Jesus died for our sins so that we could have life, not just better behavior. Then we start to appreciate what God has truly done for us. I've said this over and over again, but the, the life and death of Jesus, Jesus does not make you go from bad person to good person. This is a really bad misconception that we have in the church, that you come to Jesus and your bad life and your bad behavior, suddenly Jesus is going to turn that around. You become a, you know, triple A student. You're going to become a great citizen of the world. No, Jesus died on the cross not to take you from bad to good, but to take you from dead to alive. Big difference. Big difference. It's not about behavior. Jesus didn't die on the cross to change your behavior, to change, you know, some of the habits in your life. No, Jesus came to give you life because you were dead. Jesus is not about behavior modification as much as some of you might be thinking that. Jesus is more interested in taking a lump of and giving you life. So who was I? I was a sinner. 
spiritually dead. What happened? God happened. Why did it happen? Verse 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Just leave those verses up there. These are some of the most amazing verses in the whole of Scripture. Paul reminds us that through this whole process of us going from dead to alive, what was our role in it? Nothing. We have no role in this. We are reminded that this is all God and none of me. I've got, I was going to say I've got kids. I do, I've got many kids. One of the things, when, when, when you have a kid, they try to be helpful, especially around the ages sort of five, six, seven. I was carrying a box and my daughter says, hey, I want to help you. I said, oh. You know, and every parent knows that now I'm going to have to carry the box and the kid. You know, <laughs> it would have been just easier just to carry the box, but now I'm to carry both. Anyway, my daughter's helping me carry this box, and I'm like, it's hard because now I have to balance her on the other side of the box. We finally move the box, and she looks at me and goes, aren't you glad I helped you? You know? Aren't you glad I helped you? And, I, and, I'm, sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, yes, 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 you, you really did help me. But sometimes, I think that's what we feel like with God, you know? God saved us. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. God's the one that raised us from the dead. God's the one that seated us in. God's the one that gives us eternal life. And sometimes we sit back and go, hey, God, I prayed 10 times this week. Aren't you glad I helped you, helped me into eternity? Hey, I read four chapters this week, God. I was so, did you see me give my whole wallet? In offering today, God, you're welcome. You know, like, we, we give ourselves this, this funny idea that, that we're a part of this process of our own salvation, whereas the reality is, it was a gift from God. That's what it says. It is the gift of God. A gift can only be a gift when it is freely given without payment or reciprocation. You can't give a gift... When someone pulls money out, do you know what that is? That's a transaction. You can't give a gift when someone has to give you something in return. You know what that is? That's a trade. Salvation, as the scriptures tell us, is a gift from God to us. A free gift. A gift that we don't deserve. A gift that we definitely didn't earn. And that's why it's called grace. Grace is one of the most complicated words in all of Scripture, and yet one of the most important. Grace is when we receive something that we don't deserve or we didn't earn. Our children receive a lot of grace from their parents. My children don't pay rent. They don't earn an income. I still feed them. That's grace. You know? 
we cannot do anything in this equation between us and God. The best that we could do is just spiritually die. You, you leave God out of the picture. The best that we can do is spiritually self-destruct. Because that's just who we are. We're sinful by nature and by action. Put on our own. Given our own space, we just explode and implode. But it is by grace. That's what it says, verse 8, right? For it is by grace you have been saved. You have been saved. And this is not from yourself. It is the work, it is the gift of God, not by works. And this is a really important idea. Salvation by grace. God saved us. It's got nothing to do with your works, good or bad. And I'm going to come back to this one because this is something that we get uh, confused a lot. We should have received God's anger and wrath, but what we got was his love, forgiveness, and salvation. See, what's hard about this situation is when we start talking about grace is because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Logically, it doesn't make sense. See, this is logic. You do good, you get good. Right? That's logic. You do bad, you get bad. That's logic. But what does the Bible tell us? We did bad, but we get good. Now, how does that make sense? It doesn't. See, sometimes we get caught up in this thing of understanding, trying to understand everything. Can I tell you, friends, just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's real. doesn't mean it's not real. Scriptures tell us that we are God's handiwork, God's possession made in His image for His purposes and not yours. This is what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that we were spiritually dead because of our sinfulness, because of our sinful nature as humans. Have you ever noticed humans don't need to be taught how to be sinful? Humans don't need to be taught how to be selfish? You know, you, you just have to turn on the news, right? Like, there, there is so much wickedness and evil in this world. No one taught them that. It just came from who they are. That's who we are. We're evil. We're, we're, we're spiritually dead people. And, 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 and if nothing else happens, that's just how we live for the rest of our eternity. But God... But God, the two most important words in this whole passage, but God. God chooses to intervene. And let me remind you why God chose to intervene. It wasn't because of what you did. See, this idea of salvation, this idea that we can save ourselves from this rotten situation that we're in as, as humans... You know, so many people live their lives like this. I'm going to live a good life. I'm going I'm to try to... Live a morally good life. So they give, they serve, they volunteer, they're generous. And they try to earn these brownie points with God. But the scriptures tell us that all have sinned. See, with God, it's not about, hey, did you sin five times or did you sin 500 times? It's a story of, you know, two men trying to jump. You know, Michael Jordan and myself, if we're standing here and we're like, who can jump closer to the moon? 
right? Obviously, Michael Jordan is going to get closer to the moon, and everyone here is going to be like, well, Steve, you should lose some weight. You know, like, it's going to be real simple, right? Like, Michael Jordan, he's going to jump two meters, and I'm going to jump, you know, not as high as Michael Jordan. So everyone from here is going to be like, oh, wow, you know, Michael Jordan, way closer to the moon. But what if you're standing on the moon? Right? What if, you, what, what, what if you're standing on the moon and you're judging this contest between Michael Jordan and myself? You can, number one, you can barely see us. It's going to be dot and dot, right? And it's going to be like, jump. We did. You just didn't see us. There's no difference. And that's what it is from God's perspective. There is no difference in sin. Sin is sin. One, ten, hundred, thousand. Sin is sin. There's no way about over-justifying that or trying to make that logical. Sin is sin. We try to justify and we try to put sin levels. Well, I'm not a terrorist. I didn't murder anyone. You know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't cheat on my, my spouse. I'm not that bad. But the problem is, you're all bad. See, until we have a clear, clear view of ourselves, until we can understand clearly from God's perspective who we are, that we are sinful, then we can never appreciate what God has done for us. But there's two problems in this section of, of who we are. Number one, people just don't think that they're that bad. They, they just don't think that they're that bad. The two reasons why people don't really go to God is number one, they just don't think that they need God because they think that they're not that bad. They don't see that they're spiritually dead. They might see that they're spiritually negative. They might think that they're bad behavior. You know, maybe I'm not as holy as the other guy, but they don't think that they're spiritually dead. And so it's like, well, I, I, I don't need God to give me life. because. So that's the first reason. And the second reason is that people think that they're too bad. They, they think that they're too far gone. You know, I've heard this so many times. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hang out with God, but I don't know if God will hang out with me. If only he knew what I've done. If only he knew what I was thinking. And can I tell you, friends, tonight, I believe that this is the message that God wants to share with each and every one of us, is that regardless of where you come from, regardless of what sin that you're involved in, Yesterday, today, or tomorrow, regardless of your behavior, from God's perspective, we're all sinful. From God's perspective, we're all and one the same, but in the same way, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for one and all. And this is why it's the good news regardless of how dead we were in our sin. Because here's the thing, right? Do you know there's only one type of dead? Like we, we go, oh, okay, there's, we think that there are different types of behavior of sinners, right? And that's when you think that sin is about bad behavior. You go, okay, who's the worst? Murderer, an adulterer. You know, and then you go, oh, you know, lied to their parents. You know, that's not at that level, that's over here. So you go, oh, different level. Oh, okay, therefore, when Jesus died, he died you know, for, for some of these people. And, and, and we, we start doing that. But, but do you know there's only one type of dead? There's just dead, dead, and dead. There's no like little bit dead, half dead, you know, dead for a really long time. You know, th there's just dead. 
But in the same way, regardless of where we were, God loves you so much that it was his joy to send his son Jesus to die on the cross. One of the mistakes we make with God is we keep thinking back to what I can do. And we keep forgetting it's about what God has done. Let me read this line. You didn't earn your way into belonging to God. You didn't earn your way into belonging to God, but in the same way, you can't go and throw it away through your life. See, some people, they think that they can earn, well, even, even you know, even in our faith, they think that it's, it's still a little bit about what I do. But can I tell you, if you think like that, if you think that your actions can actually influence God in terms of the way he saved you, that means what you're saying is your actions can also influence God the other way. So if you're saying that you can merit salvation on good works, it means that you can, you, you, you can lose salvation with bad works. But that is not the case. That is not the case because the scriptures tell us it is by grace you are saved. Nothing to do with you. This is, uh, this is one of my favorite passages in the, in, the, in the Bible. And the guys have been, you know, if you've been coming to church uh, for a while, you probably, you hear me preach this passage um, at least once a year. And, and, and I love this passage because I think it's so systematic about what, what the gospel is all about. But the problem is when you preach this passage every year, it gets harder and harder because it's hard to bring something new if I'm kind of saying the same thing. And so we pray. Preachers pray. Right? And so we pray and, and we ask God. We say, God, what is something that you want us to understand? Or what, what's, the, what's the thing that you want us to know in this passage? And this week, just through prayer, it was so simple what God was saying. It was tell them that there is no sin, that there is no sin that is not covered by the blood of my son. Past, present, and future. There is nothing you can do in the way that there is nothing you can do to earn your salvation or your righteousness, righteous standing with God, there is nothing that disqualifies you from His love. Now I'm preaching this to you, and I'm preaching this to myself as well. And what, what is so comforting in my heart, and I know myself pretty well, and I'm pretty, you know, sometimes I can be a pretty poor decision-making human being. You know, like most of us, but I can admit that. Some of you can't yet, but that's okay. But I can admit that. You know, there are times in my life where I have not made right decisions or the proper decisions or even decisions that will honor God. And you go, oh my God, but you're the pastor. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Our whole church is screwed. Right? If I'm the pastor and I'm like this, we're stuffed. 
But you know what really comforts me? It's to know that when I stuff up, and I will, I'll stuff up sometime later today. I'll stuff up sometime this week. I'll stuff up sometime in the rest of the year. Some of them will be small. Some of them might be big. That because I didn't earn my salvation through good works, even when I stuff up, I can't throw it away. That I still belong to God. That God still loves me, even though I stuffed up. See, this should give us confidence and and just this affirmation of who we are in the presence of God. You know, I, I really believe that there are some people here tonight And some of you are like, you struggle to go to God because you're like, man, if God knew what I did, if God knew what I've been involved in, if God knew my life, and what I'm telling you tonight is this, God did know. God knows even now. And God knows even your future. And he still sent Jesus his one and only son, to die for you. Now, that might not make sense to you, but that makes perfect sense to God. Why? Because of his love. Friends, know who you are. Don't kid yourself by trying to inflate your, you know, your holiness and think, yeah, I'm not too bad. No, no, no. You, you're dead as a, dead as a duck. Or dead as a dog, or dead as a doo-doo, whatever, I don't even know what the phrase is. You're just spiritually dead. That's the best we got. You know, some of us put, a, you know, wear nice clothes and put makeup on our spiritually dead selves to make ourselves look, you know, somewhat alive, but we're all dead. But it's God who made us alive with Christ. And it was because of his grace that we're saved. Not our works, not because of my life, not because of how good I am, but because of how good God is. And I pray that that would just dwell in your hearts tonight and that God will speak to you. Let's pray.